Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you podcast number 293, December 26, 2019, 52 degrees was the high on this day in 2011. I remember that. Mm. And 27 below in 1996. I don't remember that because we tend to forget pain. (laughs) And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Hey, happy Groundhog's Day. I'm just checking some dates. Some, uh, okay, good. Some stories here. <laughs> checking some dates. Uh, I heard, did I hear you before the show, John, said you were watching uh, Christmas movies this year? I Yeah, I watched uh, every all my favorites. Do you ever watch any of the Hallmark Christmas movies? I don't. Uh, I don't. Are you aware I'm, of them? I'm forced to watch at least one with her. Well, but, don't, don't, don't be, so, all right, don't all be right. such a poop. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a wife that watches uh, uh, the Hallmark. Well, a writer for Salon Magazine uh, says the Hallmark Christmas movies are fascist propaganda. Wow. Uh, Amanda Marquette seeks to expose the dangers of the empty-headed kitsch that is Hallmark Holiday Holiday film. Although seemingly harmless and inoffensive, Hallmark Channel movies encourage viewers to lean into the conformist impulse of normalcy. God forbid you'd want to be normal. Right. Or just be entertained for a couple hours watching the movie. This guiding hand of normalcy drives the narratives, and unsurprisingly, that idea of normalcy doesn't have a lot of room for the true diversity of the American experience. This type of messaging fits neatly in the authoritarian worldview, she says. So she's power washing fairly benign Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. I've watched one or two in my life. So basically, her complaint is... The American idea of having the what is it, what do we call it? That's a, what, what what type of family? Nuclear nuclear family. That's what she's against. Mm-hmm. Blow it out, your you know what. Marquette had not reached her argument's destination yet. Uh, she said, "Holiday program is like taking a trip into the uncanny valley of shiny teeth, blow dried, heteronormative whiteness, with only a few token movies with characters of color." Then the hammer hit the nail. Hallmark movies constitute the platonic ideal of fascist propaganda. Marcotte cites the apparently striking similarities between present-day Hallmark films and the films improved for viewing, approved for viewing in Nazi Germany. 
That seems a little. You've never seen my wife marching around after watching the, the show. The Hallmark hit piece could not be complete, however, without a swipe at modern-day conservatives and a resulting comparison between Nazi Germany and the Trump presidency. Deep in the article, such language was not to be found. But then, alas, there it was. Hallmark movies with their emphasis on returning, uh, returning. All these, these printers failing me, but will you do me a favor, Mr. Mayor? Huh? Uh, give me the artist's name again. I'd like to look up her profile on uh, on Twitter. She's not an artist. <laughs> what did I say? You said, you artist. said artist. I'm sorry. Her name you know is saying. the author. That's what I meant to say. Uh, what the hell is her? Amanda. Amanda Marcotte. M A R C O T T E. Oh, she. Okay, here we go. Here yeah. we go. Isn't that something? Oh, I can see why she's against the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not go there. I'm going to, because this is the the loss of the nuclear family in this country is what I think is is hurting us right now more than anything. Of course, Marcotte was careful to admit that not everyone who watches Hallmark Christian Christmas movies is some kind of fledgling fascist, but she warned it is important people take note of the goal that Hallmark movies have for society, which is to enforce very narrow, white, heteronormative, sexist, provincial ideas of what constitutes normal. She doesn't know. I'm speculating that she doesn't know that Hallmark specifically set out to do that. <laughs> no. Right. Hallmark considered the last beacon of family-friendly entertainment in America has shown signs of wavering. In a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Hallmark Channel Chief Executive Bill Abbott uh, said that the company is open to making gay Christmas movies. Then earlier this month, the channel came under fire for pulling an ad that portrayed a same-sex wedding. Soon after, the company apologized and began running the ad again. My point is... Uh, that this is a woman spreading darkness, spreading darkness across the land. And if what you if, go to her Twitter, by the way, she has 81,000 followers, and if you go to her account, that's all it is, is nonsense being spewed just like this. Yeah. Well, how do you even push back? It's just... <laughs> how, what is your I guess life you like? Pu- I guess you push back by watching a Hallmark Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Can't, I can't do this. Well, you, you, you have on occasion. Yeah. You have seen. But what's occasion. wrong with uh, say yes? Okay, yeah, you sure. feel better. <laughs> sure, I have. But what's wrong with things like this being made for people that enjoy it? What's wrong with that? It's because it's wrong to be white. It's wrong to uh-huh. be heteronormative. It's wrong to be Christian. It's wrong to be conservative. It's wrong to have a Christmas tree that implies some sort of theological sentiment. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong because we're uh, we're different than you, and we don't approve of you, and therefore you are not members of our club, and we in the new gathering institutions uh, have made it our business to point out your folly. It sounds like, oddly How enough... about that for a little speech? There you go. Oddly enough, it sounds like they're Nazi Germany. You must follow Absolutely. us or yep. we, uh, we'll, we'll replace you. Yep. Here you go, Such. Mm-hmm. Amanda Marcotte is a senior political writer for Salon. She's uh, the appropriately... I don't want to be foghorn because okay. that's how you should use it. Got it. The appropriately named Salon magazine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's previously written for the LA Times, USA Today, the Rolling Stone Slate, the Daily Beast, and the Nation. She writes about feminism environmentalism, and the ongoing culture war politics of the United States. Well, she would know all about mentalism. She lives in Brooklyn with her partner and her two cats. Ah, they're two cats. Okay, thank you, lady, for revealing who you are. Now I I feel better that you're not to be taken seriously. Well, and and just uh, along that line, her book is called Troll Nation. Okay. So she's obviously doing this. So she got me. She got me. Yeah. I mentioned her. And she got me. She wins. We looked her up. We looked her up.
You want to buy your book on uh, no, Amazon? I, I, I know. You're, I, I you don't, know what? I don't. How about a holiday Author's gift for the corner. mayor from the staff? Arthur's Corner. Let's <laughs> troll her in. Arthur's <laughs> Corner. I, I, I just... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so well to continue, as long as we've given her her due, given her moment of fame, uh, to continue, she has to find every virtually every Christmas movie foul. I mean, you know... White Christmas, Christmas at the Christmas at the Country Inn or whatever. Right. Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm sure she finds it all. All of it. All of it. Just Christmas in, in story. Germany. Because what's under attack by the ministry? Convention. 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 Yes. And our history and our traditions. That's yes. what's under attack by the ministry. And just think about what a great past three or four days we've all had with our family, where regardless of when or where it was, it's such a beautiful. Amp. That's your oh, amp, that's John. Amp. Beautiful amp. Yeah. Let me turn that off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda Marcotte has attacked yeah, the studio. Hijacked. <laughs> I have some nature news because you know I enjoy nature. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was a ring of fire solar eclipse, or has it yet to occur? Uh, 2019 has been a big year to sky watchers with rocket launches coming at fast and furious rates. Uh, uh, there's going to be... Uh, the ring of fire is due... To the current distance between the Earth and the Moon, when the Moon is at a greater distance from Earth in its orbit, as it will be during the eclipse, the Moon is similar in the sky, allowing more. I'm sorry, the Moon is smaller in the sky, allowing more of the Sun to peek around the edges. It's called an annular eclipse as opposed to a total eclipse, and it creates a fiery ring surrounding the Moon's silhouette, whereas some solar eclipses look more like a warm glow. And it's, uh, I, I'm sorry, the, the uh, oh, it's today, I think. Mm. Uh, oh, but if you're in America or most of Europe, you won't see it. Oh. Uh, however, if you're in the path of the eclipse and you're lucky enough to have clear skies during primetime viewing today, December 26, you can uh, you can see it. Uh, yeah. So we won't be seeing. We it. won't. Never mind. And that was this year. Why am I glad we started? <laughs> <laughs> Almost had to again. Uh, and now, and now, uh, if you want to worry about something you can't do anything about, uh, the scientists uh, studying Yellowstone note that steamboat geyser yeah. has erupted uh, more often than it ever has in the past. And the underlying suspicion, every time something like this is reported, Tell me. is that the uh, the volcano, which hasn't erupted for 630,000 years, and a Apparently is due. Mm. They they wonder if there's a connection, but that, that's not been established in this piece. Uh, it's a big geyser. Boy. Spews. Mm. And it's and that's natural. Old Faithful's pretty reliable. Uh, the the steamboat geyser that can go years without yeah. without erupting. Mm. And, but now it's on. It's just hot to trot. It's been really <laughs> something's going on. Really, really good. <laughs> It's been really good for the tourism industry. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Kenny is the guy that says he drives straight towards it. Yes, Wasn't he, that? Yes, yeah. he would. Yeah. Yes, he would. Uh, Why wait around? He says. No. I got a note. I got a note. Where is it? Oh, oh shoot. Ooh, I thought oh. you were going to say something bad oh, there. No. no, no. Take three. You're going to like this note, though, so I got to find it. Uh, Via email? Yeah. And I usually have my uh, email. Got a lot of email. GLJoe at garagelogic.com is where you get that. GLJoe. I got to kind of get the Barry White Here pipes today. You get the good pipes. Uh, what do you have today, Joey? Got it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. You got it? Mr. Mayor. He's got it. Those scooters from EcoFun are becoming more attractive all the time. 
First, you tell me they get 7,500 7, miles to the gallon, <laughs> and now they do 75 to 100 miles an hour. I got to buy one. You uh, you did say that the other day. A belated Merry Christmas to you and the dummies. Enjoying the show as usual, John Matson and Brainerd. I have really uh, apparently misspoken about those great scooters at EcoFun, huh? We are yeah, still Kenny, great scooters. Kenny and I looked at each other when you said it and just kind of went like this instead of Why bring correcting it up again? We didn't right. want to correct right. it. Right. New Year's, let them have their fun. So, uh, <laughs> EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. It's on Highway 69. And if they didn't nope, sell... Nope, nope, Jeez, Highway 61. Louise, Highway okay. 61. Yep. EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake on Highway 61. There you go. If they have not sold them out... They are still featuring 10 different youth models of ATVs. And GLers get a free helmet with every gas ATV purchase. The electric bikes are on sale. The scooters are on sale. You tell them that you're a GL podcast listener, you'll be well taken care of. Mm -hmm. Look at how that works. And and, uh, don't forget the Yamaha winter products. Snowmobiles. What else? ATVs. Side by side. Mm-hmm. It's all there at EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61. There we go. In downtown <laughs> Forest Lake. Now here's a man who never plays with a brand new Titleist unless he finds it while wandering through the bushes on the back nine. Your mare and mine. Joe Souchere. Mr. Mayor, I'd like to tell you about 30 Bales Restaurant in downtown Hopkins. Our buddies Todd and Tom that are over there are longtime fans of GL, and they wanted me to personally thank each and every GLer that has stopped in and made themselves familiar. They have a fantastic happy hour, 3 to 6 p.m., Tuesday through Friday, and a brunch. A lot of people having uh, family and friends in town for the holidays. Take them to brunch at 30 Bales. You're sick of cooking. Come on. Take them to 30 Bales. Uh, That goes from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. You can see their entire Scratch Midwest kitchen menu online. Go to 30bales.com. Please also, they have, like I said, for the happy hour, $5 both menu items and all of their draft beers. And if you stop in there at 11th and Main Street in downtown Hopkins, please tell Todd and Tom that you did hear about it on the Garage Logic podcast, nice. Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Uh, I want you to talk to you about Alaska. Hmm. I read a piece yesterday in the Star Tribune. I immediately went to my pike pole ruler. and clipped it for today's show. Mm. Uh, The headline is, it's a Washington Post piece picked up by the Star Tribune. Alaska to hit 50 below, comma, still have warmest year, though. I saw this. (laughs) But there's a paragraph in here that that really confounds me, because I read it prepared to be alarmed. Uh, No, not prepared to be alarmed, prepared to be curious and interested. Uh, 2019 is likely to go down in the books as the warmest year on record in Alaska. Anchorage hit 90 for the first time on record. It did so last summer. Uh, It also measured its highest humidity. Arctic permafrost and sea ice are melting at alarming rates. The North Slope's landscape is changing before inhabitants' eyes. I would imagine it's done so throughout the ages. Mm -hmm. Uh, The North Slope, okay. Uh, But to round out 2019, the weather will take an auspiciously timed abrupt turn, switching gears from record highs to extreme cold. The frigid blast may linger for 7 to 10 days before easing by the first weekend of the new year. year. Fairbanks 
hasn't climbed above zero since noontime last Wednesday. After having dropped to minus 30 Sunday night, the city is solidly in bone-chilling category. Its average December low is minus 13. It's looking as if the city of roughly 32,000 won't make it to zero through at least the end of 2019. In fact, it might not rise above 10 below. But this is a story about how hot it's been there. Right. Uh, temperatures between Friday. Okay, let me cut to the chase. I'm not going to take anything out of context. Uh, uh, minus 40 or minus 50 lows in parts of Alaska are not as rare as you might think, but they are becoming less frequent. In the 40s and 50s, Fairbanks would get more than a dozen days a year that hit 40 below. Nowadays, that number has been more than sliced in half, likely thanks to climate change. Well, we, we don't know that. Uh, <laughs> Alaska needs several 40 to 60 degree uh, Fahrenheit out 40 below to 60 below to have a normal winter. Uh, not one outbreak every few years. Tweeted Brian Brettschneider, an atmospheric scientist studying the effects of climate change in Alaska. In 1961, Fairbanks bottomed out below minus 50 on each of nine consecutive nights beginning on December 22nd. Believe it or not, even if Fairbanks dropped to minus 30 every night from now to February, it would not set a single daily record low. The record for New Year's 60 below set in 1969. Okay. Let's see. From 1952 to 2000, Anchorage recorded 12 nights with an overnight temperature that didn't dip below 60 degrees. Uh, Inevitably, uh, okay. Here's the part that, why I raced to clip it from the paper. You ready? Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Inevitably, any bout of anomalous cold elicits claims that any brief Arctic outbreak disproves the unshakable reality of our warming climate. That simply is not the case. Here it is. In a stable climate system, without human intervention, warm and cold anomalies would occur in relative balance. Nowadays, that balance has been tossed out the window. Warming is favored, and the frequency of next-level cold events is in steady decline. With the cold soon to settle in, Brett Schneider has a telling message that sums up the state of Alaska's climate. Even with a cold snap, Alaska is a lock to have their warmest year on record. So again, the crowd wins. Because no matter what happens, climate change. Okay, but let me reread this. Does this make sense to any thinking person? In a stable climate, without human intervention... Warm and cold anomalies would occur in balance. So we just got to get rid of the people, and then we're good to go. That, that, that's not <laughs> plausible. The climate changed dramatically 10,000 years ago, or you wouldn't have a Minnesota. Right. There was no human intervention. What this also does is, is it suggests to me, and I, I have no beef with this Brett Schneider, uh, It sounds to me like he believes that it's possible for climate to be in balance. Yeah. And that's never been the case. It's never been possible. You just think back to your own life. I mean, it's never been, hey, this, then this, then this, right. then this. Uh, where is this guy from? The moon. No, no, we're going to call him. Uh what, where was the first mention of this character, Brett Schneider? Brett Schneider. Uh, Religion, reason, minus 40 in the 40s and 50s. Alaska needs several. Brett 
Uh, Brian Brettschneider. No, it doesn't say where. It just says an atmospheric scientist studying. B-R-I-A-N? B-R-E, B-R-I-N, B-R-I-A-N, that's Brian, Brett Schneider. B-R-E-T-T. Yep. S-C-H. Oh, that's one word, Brett Schneider? Yes. Yeah. Well, not, you said Brett. Brett. That's Schneider. what I thought you said his first name was. Well, we don't, we, you don't have to look for him. I'm going to look him up. He's uh, in Anchorage, Alaska. Research Associate. Well, do you see, if, do you see a telephone oh, a number? There is a, there is a phone number. Well, call yes. give, get right, get, give Rook the number. Write it down on something. I found him on Twitter as well. Well, I, I call him up. All I want to know is, are you telling me? You're telling me. Are oh, you no. telling me what? He has a pinned tweet, What's which that usually you want that to. That will always stay at the top of your page, right? And that's kind of your maybe your mission statement your or calling what, card, or yeah, exactly what you're kind of known for. Like right. yours would be something related to the Garage Logic podcast or your column, right? His says, "Make Alaska cold again." Hashtag M A C A. Oh my God! Right away, call him right now. Do you, you want to take a Make break Alaska while we call? Cold you want to take a yeah, break? Uh, take a break. Sure. Let's do that. Uh, and let's and do see that. if he's there. I just that's the only question I have. Do you mean to tell me? Check this on that out. the yeah. climate has been in harmony. He, he is at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Okay. That's where this right. number. We're going to call so. him. We have his number. Here we go. Okay. All right. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sitting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. All right, we reached Brian Brett Schneider and uh, uh, John Height. You've learned that he's a uh, professor at the University of Alaska, Anchorage. Fairbanks. Fairbanks, Fairbanks. I'm sorry. Yep. And Rook, we got his number. Rook just called him, and we reached him, but he's on an airplane, presumably taxiing, yes. and, uh, and I, which I... I find somewhat ironic, <laughs> but uh, we said, and he was a hail fellow, well met, right? Very nice, yes. Uh, and we said, well, as long as you're fine and we don't uh, know what your schedule is, why don't we try to contact you after the new year? And he he said, was, that would be agreeable. Yes. So I'll, I'll hang on to this, but uh, I want to read this paragraph again. In a stable climate system, without human intervention, warm and cold anomalies would occur in relative balance. That that presupposes that a no that that presupposes that he for example this is what I will love to ask him he apparently has discovered a period in human history that was pretty peachy you got your fluffy white snowfall right. for Christmas and your picnic on the Fourth of July was sunny and bright so he's found that's the sweet spot well I doesn't that isn't that what it sounds like. Yeah. I bounced yeah. it off of people smarter than me yesterday, uh, one of whom's the kid I used to have. Yep. And he, he agreed that that's preposterous. It's silly. Yes, uh, Chris. Uh, he did tweet out a chart. Brian Brett Schneider did. Uh, this was from, I believe, yesterday, talking about the ASCA average annual temperature from 1925 to 2019. Mm-hmm. And he's got it cited right here uh, that they are averaging... 10 degrees increase in temperature per year since 2013. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's his, I will say this, his Twitter account's kind of interesting. Sure. There is a, it, it'll be an interesting conversation if you talk to him. Yeah. Uh, there's an interview here from KTNA 88.9 FM. Yeah. Uh, where he says, you know, and my own kids are now 12 and 14. They're inspired by the movement. 
you know, even for old people like myself, it's inspiring. I was on the computer about two months ago. I got a notification on my account that said, Greta Thunberg has followed you. Whoa, you know, I feel this now is a responsibility to put out useful information for people who are looking to make changes and make a difference in the world. As he sits on an airplane. Which is fine. Fly all you want. Just don't lecture me. It, It deserves to be repeated again. And I would be interested in what listeners think. In a stable climate system, let's just parse it a few words at a time. I'm unaware that a climate system could be stable. What, what does that mean? Yeah. Right? A constant temperature? Next three words. Without human intervention, presumably then he believes that a climate system could be stable if, if humans were out of the picture. Right. Presumably, presumably meaning humans using fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Uh Warm and cold anomalies would occur in relative balance. Okay. That, what that suggests to me is he believes that it shouldn't be too cold and it shouldn't be too warm and that they should be reflective of each other in terms of their significance. Mm-hmm. And this harkens me back to a, a thought I've always had. Do some of these people have a day in mind right. when, when life was just perfect in, in man, in harmony with nature, was just perfect? June 20th. It hasn't happened. <clears throat> okay, let's keep this. Uh, give me the sheet of paper with his number. Word. Uh, and then I'll uh, put this on the old bulletin board out there. With a little push pin. We'll With find a little a push, push pin. pin. We'll get me a push pin. And then sometime after the first of the year, we'll give this fellow a jingle. How's that? I think that's a good idea. I need to be, I need to know. I, I'm serious. Uh, you know me, I couldn't resist looking up some sense wins about Alaska. <laughs> Alaska. Uh, I'll get you the most interesting one here. What do you think the statewide record for the hottest day in Alaska took place? Statewide record. When? Did you say? Day. What part of the when? year? When? 1986. Um, 1930. Nope. 30. It occurred in Fort Yukon in 1915 when they hit 100 degrees. <laughs> no, no, no. That's Alaska you're talking yep. about. Fort Alaska. Yukon. Fort Yukon. Now, I used to say, and it was my way of being appeasing to the believers, I used to uh, to uh, throw in the proviso that I realize uh, citing a temperature for you, for you from 100 years ago doesn't really mean much, but it's, I'm beginning to change my mind. Yes, it does, because it corroborates my belief that you're really not seeing anything new. Mm-hmm. You're seeing nature doing what nature does. What has changed is more people are in harm's way of nature's significant events. Hurricanes, fires, tornadoes, typhoons. There are more people on Earth to be affected. Right. Other than that, nothing's changed. I mean, there's more population along coastlines. Yeah. Yes. So the high temperature for Alaska record is uh, 100 degrees in Fort Yukon in 1915. All right. Now, could you tell me that in 1915 was was nature in harmony? Let just a minute. I'll use his words. So in 1915, I would think he'd probably think 1915 
offered us a chance for a more stable climate because we weren't driving evil minivans. Right, right. right? Yep. So, so he must believe, how was he going to dismiss the 100-degree 100, 100 day in 1915? That would be quite an anomaly for Alaska. Mm-hmm. So what was, uh, what was in balance? What was, what was in relative balance in 1915 that you had a 100-degree day to set your state's record, which still stands? Which, of which no humans had anything to do with what the, re- the record was. <laughs> I, I will say this. In searching his uh, Twitter account, he's a big solar radiation guy. Okay, He's big on that. In, in what sense? He, does he believe that, that whatever's happening to the climate is being just driven by the sun? Yeah, basically. Well, so do I. So I'm, I'm saying, well, I, think, what's, uh, well, then, I think you guys might have a lot more in common okay, than but you no, think. But he says, he says, in his response to learning that he was followed by Greta Thunberg, his response was, oh boy, I, I got to really work harder now mm-hmm. to get the movement going. If he believes it's the sun, there's nothing we can do right. about it. I Nothing. I don't think he believes it's the sun from the interviews I'm reading. Oh, because really? He's talking about uh, greenhouse gases okay. and okay. you know the whole yeah. the whole works. I guess because I'm just seeing a number of charts citing solar radiation on his on his account. But you might you're probably right, Johnny. None of the July uh, 2019 records uh, from this past July in Alaska uh, came. Uh, the closest was a 90 degree day. Uh, they still didn't get close to the 1915 record of yeah. 100. 100 degrees. His, his, I, I'm reading an interview from October of this year. Yeah. Uh, he's talking about July and, and citing that as a month mm-hmm. that, that that everything was out of whack because right. he said it was the warmest July, I don't know. Okay. There's a lot of uh, things. We literally are the difference now between this July and the second warmest July. Same difference as the second warmest and 20th warmest. So normally records are broken by tiny slivers, but to absolutely smash a statewide record this July, and we have data that goes back at least 100 years, in some cases more than that. So it was really, 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 three reallys, remarkable. Okay, then he's got to explain to me 1915. Well, he also has an interesting photo. Uh, This was coming up on his Twitter account, uh, late Christmas Eve night, in which Santa was being arrested outside an Anchorage bar. Oh, yeah? I don't know if that has anything to do with the climate. I just thought it was pretty funny. Well, I hope we get to talk to him. That's pretty good. That's pretty fun. Uh, the other day we uh, were struggling. Oh, was it a Monday night? No, was it Monday night sports talk that we did? Uh, Don Vogel. Uh, uh, that no, was Tuesday. No, we played it on the GL show. Tuesday. That was Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah, yeah, but I think for Monday night sports talk we did a Cosell doing Little Drummer Boy. No, we did that. That, on was, that was GL. Yeah, it was yep. GL. Yep. And then I began remembering Cosell and another guy mm-hmm. whose name I couldn't remember. Yep. And we spent considerable time trying to find it. That Cosell and another guy had each other on the phone, and they were each doing their their Howard Cosell, and it was fantastic. After the we couldn't find it. After the show, I called Rook, and you instantly came up with the guy's name, Roy Firestone. Right. It was Roy Firestone. So then I put out a tweet that that said because we rely on listeners because we're too dumb. Right. <laughs> Uh, I put out a tweet. Does anybody have a recording of the dueling Cosells featuring Don Vogel and Roy Firestone? And I got a couple of responses. And uh, Daniel, is it Warpia, maybe? I Daniel believe so. Warpia? Daniel's a frequent emailer. 
Well, God love him. He said his Google skills are pretty solid. Finding me, uh, finding this took me less than a few minutes. Because John and, and I looked on the Google and couldn't find well, it. John Kenny and I were in that room yeah. after GL on what's called radio tapes. Yeah, it's a great website for old. It, is it just the Minneapolis market, John? No, it's you, all. It's around. all around yep. the country. Yep. We were looking at all sorts of old archive tapes and we couldn't find it. Well, this has to be from the early '90s, and it was Don. It was Don Vogel. Uh, either Roy Firestone had heard about Vogel's Cosell or vice versa, and they got each other on the phone, and here's what took place. Hello again, everyone. Hello again, Howard this Cosell reporting. One of us is an imposter. The question, which one? I say it's him. He says it's me. Hello again, everybody, quite candidly at this juncture. One is despondent over the tragic demise of the Philly horse ruffian. So despondent I can quote from the poet Percy Bert Shelley, who put it so succinctly when he wrote of ruffian, sleep well. My equestrianic distaff beast of burden, as you are buried beneath the infield at Belmont Park. Sleep well indeed. You talk about ruffian. I'm talking about Muhammad Ali, a man who I've known as well or better than any white man alive. You know something? One can only talk back. You use the low, dulcet tone yourself. One who's constantly harangued, despondent over the tragic developments in sports. But I, I always raise my voice, whatever, right there. Well, I can raise mine, too. The place, Three Rivers Stadium, Pittsburgh. The event, the Pittsburgh Steelers New York Jet game. With this man at running back for the Steelers against that man, the great quarterback of the New York Jets. The New York football Jets to you, Don, quite candidly. One constantly is reminded of John Riggins, a man who came from the campus of Kansas University. To some great notoriety, but right there, this was the game when he scored against the Dolphins, 44 yards, a touchdown. I don't talk in the past tense. The point is that Riggins has had it. The point is with the Redskins, he's a mere afterthought, so much so that they had to deal for George Rogers. <laughs> I don't know how far we can go with this. I think that's great. Boy, you do a good one. Oh my God! Thank you, thank you, thank you, wow. Daniel. Wow. Can you can you can you create that on our website so people could listen to it anytime they want? I can turn that back on. Yeah. I can convert that into an MP3. Yeah, I can find a way. I think that'd be fun for people oh, to have that. Yeah. This man, that was so good. You talking the, the place, sounds. Three Rivers Stadium. All right, so help me out here. So Vogel reached out to Firestone. Oh, yeah, I'm this sure. This probably because that was on Don's show, correct? That, that was, was on a Vogel show, yeah. and uh, somehow they got they learned that each other did one hell of a cosell, and uh, so he called Firestone. I'm imagining, and they had that little bit because Roy became a big deal on ESPN. Yeah. So was that must have preceded that? That was probably during that period. Gotcha. He's kind of fallen off the the media. He really map. has, yeah. 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 And he was a great impressionist, or he presumably still is well, a great he, impressionist. He still performs. Yeah, I, I he does on his website. Yeah, yeah. 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 A, you know, small thirty-five hundred seat. Because what was the show, that. John? He did where he'd get athletes on, and they would sit and cry about stuff. Yeah, that would, yeah I don't remember the name of it. That's something lines, right? Blurred line or not outside the lines? Uh, that's a different show. Yeah, you're right. I don't know, but yeah, he would sit there and uh, chit chat with them. And you remember when you were a kid and you hated everything. <laughs>
But he was a great interviewer because basically he would reduce people to tears on their on the set. There was a kid in my house this morning watching Odell Beckham and Kevin Hart uh, sitting in adjoining hot tubs. What? Talking about football and life. And I caught snippets of it that were truly hilarious. But what was really hilarious is Beckham has that mop of uh, snow white hair on yeah, top of yeah. his afro. And and so Kevin Hart had this mop on his head of white. <laughs> white. <laughs> and I listened for a moment to make sure the words were getting bleeped out, and they were. Okay. Because they weren't holding back. No, Kevin yeah. Hart likes to throw around the cuss words. So, so does Odell. That's true. So I turned to the kid and I said, is Beckham still playing? He goes, yeah, he's playing for the Browns, and he's horrible. <laughs> horrible. I'm not doing a uh, Grunhofer's commercial today. Oh. Howard Clary's is. Got it. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Joe, Merry Christmas. You can say that until January 5th, he, he notes. As a typical GLer, I'm not given to public displays of marketing, nor am I prone to being a shill for a product or service. In the case of the Grund, I have to make an exception. I made the pilgrimage to Grunhofer's. It's in Hugo, the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. I made the pilgrimage to Grunhofer's for our, our holiday feasting needs. I called 651-426-2800 ahead of time to order my nine-pound double-smoked ham for the Christmas Eve feast at my son's place. There was a kitchen island filled with all sorts of wonderful food, but the item that garnered the most compliments was the ham, a complete home run. Mm. The smoke flavor is driven deeply through the meat and is a true taste experience. The other item I bought was their Canadian bacon. We have a tradition of making eggs benedict on holiday mornings. Yeah. We've always used store-bought Canadian bacon. You know mm-hmm. the kind. It turns into and tastes like a tire patch, <laughs> if not cooked absolutely perfectly. Grunhofer's Canadian bacon cooked up beautifully, even when having to sit for an extra few minutes. It flakes beautifully when fried and isn't the least bit tough or dry like mm. the store-bought can be. It would be hard to imagine going back after serving Grunhofer's. Truly worth the trip up. Do what I've done. Program 651-426-2800 into your phone and add Grunhoffers to your list of contacts. You can never tell when you will need to manage a meat emergency. <laughs> Best Howard Clary's. And I've read many of Howard's emails. None of this is BS. This is the real deal. That's the real deal. Uh, uh, P.S. I had a near brush with greatness while there. I signed the uh, GL registry sheet that Greg Holcomb, the resident artist, Fantastic. signed. Fantastic. Nice. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. Did you have a good Christmas, John? I did, Brooks. yes. Fantastic. Reeves? Oh, yes. Yep. Always fun, especially with young kids. Oh, yeah. Christmas is a blast. Yep. It is. It really is. Yep. No fights at the Mikulski household. <laughs> That's good. Whatever yeah. the holidays go with no fights. Was everybody good and medicated, care. though? Yeah, the poor and my brother Steve have taken the have taken the <laughs> cure, but they're still the two loudest at the party. <laughs> well, yeah. That's all right. Happen. And they... Well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say no, that. since they're not <laughs> since they're not listening. They, of course, said one day maybe we'll just get to go to the island. We're supposed to have alone the, the, the three of us. Nice. <laughs> supposed to have the big height Christmas, but I don't know. Now we're we're the forecast. You're, is you're telling me ugly. about a blizzard. 
Well, in uh, West Central Minnesota, Fergus Falls around there, they're supposed to get 10 to 12 inches of snow and freezing oh, rain. Saturday? And I'm not driving through there. Saturday, Saturday into Sunday. I'll yeah. be damned. So, well, here's John we'll, Height. We'll see what happens. Thanks. Crews remained at the scene of that apartment building fire in downtown Minneapolis Thursday morning. The fire began at the Francis Drake Hotel in the area of 5th Avenue South and South 10th Street at about 3 a.m. Wednesday. The one-time luxury hotel was built in 1926 with 146 rooms, but was converted to temporary housing. Three people were hurt, hundreds now without a home. A fire official said the blaze was concentrated on the second and third floors of the three-story building. Fire officials also said they need to make sure the fire is extinguished before they begin an in-depth investigation into the cause. Uh, they have now, as of this morning, ordered a partial demolition of the building. I was going to say, they're going to have to basically bulldoze that thing, aren't they? The east side, the, uh, they've issued the demolition for uh, the rest of the building. It'll be up to the owner what he wants to do with it. Uh, meanwhile, donations poured in in the hours after the news of the fire spreading. Hundreds of clothing items, shoes, diapers, and blankets dropped off at the corner of 5th Avenue South and South 10th Street. That's a bad luck deal when you're homeless but got a place and then you lose your homeless place. Yeah, they were inter- Johnny and I were watching the news earlier and they were interviewing a few of the residents, displaced residents, and he just said... I wonder how many of them are working homeless. I don't know. Yeah. A frequent target customer is asking the Minneapolis-based retail giant to stop using plastic bags. Oh, my God. <laughs> Protest organizer Teresa Carter and other Target shoppers... Boy, life's pretty good if this is your number one issue, isn't it? (laughs) Yep. ...are delivering pages containing more than 455,000 signatures to the corporation's headquarters on Thursday, which is traditionally one of the busiest shopping days of the year. That's today. Mm Mm-hmm. Petition calls for Target to commit to eliminating plastic bags that are, quote, choking the earth, Carter said in a statement. Uh, she said, I'm a Target shopper. Hundreds of thousands of my petition signers are Target customers, and we have one clear message for Target. Please act to end plastic bag pollution. Target spokeswoman Danielle Schumann said the company has taken several steps to help reduce its use of plastic, including sustainable packaging goals and using plastic bags that are now made with 40% recycled content. Target first placed recycling kiosks, including four plastic bags at the front of its stores in 2010. A week ago, I was in Los Angeles, and across the street from my hotel was a Target, and I went over there to grab various things for my drive back across the country. You know, you got to get stuff get to drink. Stuff. You got to get yeah. stuff. They didn't have the regular plastic bags that yeah. we do here. Yeah. They had something else, yeah. and I used one, and it basically disintegrated on my walk back to the hotel. Huh. The stuff fell out of the bottom of it. Oh, boy. Whoops. So my, my point is, if it's not practical, what is this lady complaining about? It, 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 yeah, they're going to replace it with something else that doesn't work. Do what I do, lady. You can recycle. Or mm-hmm. use them as trash bags. Yeah. That's what I do. Alaska Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski said she was disturbed after hearing Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and other GOP senators were coordinating the impending impeachment trial with the White House. Murkowski, who has previously been critical of the partisan nature of the House impeachment inquiry, is now taking on McConnell and South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham for both claiming there would be total coordination between the Senate and President Trump over the trial. The Alaska GOP senator told the local Anchorage news station this week that McConnell's comments have confused the impeachment process even further and made it appear Republican senators are completely on the side of the president's defense. Murkowski remains undecided how she'll vote when the trial first takes place. Uh, her remarks were similar to those made Sunday by Senate Minority Whip Dick Durbin, d- Democrat from Illinois. He complained that both uh, he complained that members of both parties 
including some Democratic presidential candidates, were ignoring their constitutional obligation to be impartial. John, yeah, do recall, uh, I think it was the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve day show, you quoted uh, the president's remarks on his uh, understanding of wind and uh, windmills and wind power. And you quoted them, and they were they were funny just hearing them quoted. Yes. But I I went and looked them up to hear the audio. Yeah. And I have rookie searching for it now because it, it I'm not even ripping the guy. It's the most entertaining couple of minutes <laughs> because you just you're just left wondering what in God's name is he talking about? I did. Yeah, I didn't listen to the audio. Oh, it? you have to hear the audio. It was wonderful. So there's a good payoff. In other words, oh, he was talking to Turning Point USA. I think that's a conservative student group. Yeah, it is. And so. I couldn't tell if he was pro wind. Or anti-wind. That's the beauty of it. That, it's amazing. <laughs> it was an, an amazing uh, bit that he had going. Go ahead, John. Rookie will search for it. Uh, Lindsey Vaughn popped the question to hockey star P.K. Subban. I thought mm-hmm. they split up. Evidently mm-hmm. not. No. Oh, wow. Good for them. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays, everyone. On our two-year anniversary in a non-traditional move, I asked P.K. to marry me, yep. and he said yes. She tweeted on Christmas Day. The former ski racer closed the tweet with the hashtags Merry Christmas and Equality. She linked a picture of herself and Subban with the ring, with the couple wearing matching striped pajamas in front of the Christmas twee with, twee? Twee. Christmas tree with three dogs in the foreground. Uh, Vaughn also said on social media in August that they were engaged. Uh, she retired, of course, uh, from her skiing career. She's 35 years old. Subban is 30 years old. He plays in the NHL. Vaughn or had- Nashville, I believe. He Pardon was me? traded. Or did he I get believe, traded? I believe he, he is now traded. with New Jersey. Yeah. No, New Jersey? he was traded to New Jersey from Nashville. Yep. Vaughn had a high profile relationship, of course, with Tiger Woods. Previously had been married to former ski racer Thomas Vaughn and kept Lindsay, his... can I ask you a question about Tiger? And Lindsay, what now? Let me ask you a Tiger question. I did ask her. Yeah. You that did. was, that was Joe. That wasn't Pat. That wasn't Pat. It was me. And you heard the Oh, oh God in the yeah. background. All right, we found it. You okay. have to hear our president discussing wind. We'll have a an economy based on wind. I never understood wind, and I know windmills very much. I've studied it better than anybody. I know it's very expensive. They're made in China and Germany mostly. Very few made here, almost none. But they're manufactured tremendous, if you're into this, tremendous fumes, gases are spewing into the atmosphere. You know, we have a world, right? So the world is tiny compared to the universe. So tremendous, tremendous amount of fumes in everything. You talk, you talk about the carbon footprint. Fumes are spewing into the air, right? Spewing. Whether it's in China, Germany, it's going into the air. It's our air, their air, everything, right? So they make these things, and then they put them up. And if you own a house within vision of some of these monsters, uh, your house is worth 50% of the price. They're noisy. They kill the birds. You want to see a bird graveyard? You just go, take a look, a bird graveyard? Yeah. Go under a windmill someday. You'll see more birds than you've ever seen ever in your life. You know, in California, they were killing the bald eagle. If you shoot a bald eagle, they want to put you in jail for 10 years. A windmill will kill many bald eagles. It's true. And you know what? After a certain number, they make you turn the windmill off. That's true, by the way. This is, they make you turn it off after you. And yet, if you killed one, they put you in jail. That's okay. But why is it okay for these windmills to destroy the bird population? And that's what they're doing. 
I'll tell you another thing about windmills. Yeah, and I'm not, look, I like all forms of energy. And I think, Indio, really, they're okay in industrial areas, like you have an industrial plant, you put up a windmill, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen the most beautiful fields, farms, <laughs> fields, most gorgeous things you've ever seen. And then you have these ugly things going up. And sometimes they're made by different companies. You know, I'm like a perfectionist. I really built good stuff. And so you'll see, like, a few windmills made by one company, General Electric. And then you'll see a few made by Siemens. And you'll see a few made by some other guy that doesn't have 10 cents, it looks like. A so you see all these windmills, they're all different shades of color. <laughs> they're like sort of white, but one's like an orange white. It's my favorite color, orange. And you see these magnificent fields. And they're ruined. And you know what they don't tell you about windmills? After 10 years, they look like hell. You know, they start to get tired, old, you got to replace them. A lot of times, people don't replace them. They need massive subsidy from the government in order to make it. No, we're doing it right. We're doing it right. And you know, our numbers environmentally right now are better than they've ever been before, just so <laughs> you know. Because I'm an environmentalist. I am. Oh, yeah. I want the cleanest water on the planet. I want the cleanest air anywhere. All right. Right, uh, right after that, he broke into song. Yep. Roll another one. <laughs> Just like the other one. <laughs> Here's what oh, I that learned. That was very weird. Wow. Sometimes, see, there was a clue in there where I sometimes I think he's doing a bit. That's what I got. It does sometimes come because across he, that he way. Because yeah. he, he's rarely self-deprecating. But he, De also, he started feeding off the crowd because he got the, especially with the orange no. line. Orange is that's my favorite color. That's the line I'm thinking yeah. of. Oh, orange, orange, that's my favorite color. That's right. funny. Right. That was self-deprecating, which he never is. You made the comparison long ago, but it's true. Watching that, he's Dangerfield and Caddyshack. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to... But you're right. I have no idea what. <laughs> I don't know if he's for right, him or right. against him. But you know what? That's the beauty. And that's when he went off script. That's yeah. when he's at his yeah. best. That was no script right. there. He wasn't god, looking at though. the monitors. He, he was just being the correspondent. Whoever's next to him going, oh god, what is he oh, doing? Here goes. He going? I don't know crap. what the hell he was talking <laughs> you, you about. You remember my lead the other day when I used that story was President Trump winging it over the weekend. Oh yeah, yeah you yeah, did yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but it 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 is. It's entertaining. But the first 15 seconds was a complete contradiction because he said, I don't know anything about wind. But, but I know everything about wind. I know everything about wind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've studied. I'm an expert on this. What, expert what on now? What the hell? <laughs> he's never seen a windmill in his life. Oh, he's having a laugh. Uh, he's oh. stood under them and seen the bird oh, graveyards. Oh, he's seen the bird graveyards. <laughs> right. All right. We'll be back shortly, bird huh? graveyards. The Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. I've told you I love driving interesting cars. I love cars that handle well. I love cars that uh, have a certain panache throughout history, and that's why I shop at Schmel's Countryside, because I've uh, purchased Volkswagens, Alfa Romeos. I've got my eye on a Fiat. Right now, Alfa does have an end-of-the-year cash bonus through January 2nd. There's a great inventory of Alfa Romeos in stock, both the Giulia and the Stelvio. I have the Stelvio. Uh, I have, well, I told you, I go back to 1960 when uh, Jay Henry bought a bug from Schmelz. It's a <laughs> generational family-owned dealership. There aren't many like it around anymore. They were the region's first 
VW dealership. Uh, find out about VW inventory at SchmelzVW.com. That's S-C-H-M-E-L-Z. SchmelzAlphaRomeo.com. No better grill on a car than Alpha Romeo. And look up the uh, look up the history of the Alpha Romeo symbol, the snake and the colors. It's just a very interesting story. Also, SchmelzFiat.com. Uh, it's at Highway 36 and 61, the southeast quadrant of Highway 36 and 61. They uh, have provided this kind of service since the beginning because it's the only way they can compete with the huge multi-owned dealerships to have this genuine family service from generation to generation. And it's a fantastic assortment of interesting automobiles. Interesting. Yeah. There's a big difference between interesting and utilitarian. These are interesting. Alpha, right now, uh, bonus cash through uh, January 2nd. Schmelz Countryside in Maplewood. Say a sad note. There's a 50-50 chance that Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris will not make it back. Oh, really? come on. Will not make it back. Mm-hmm. No Christmas services this year, of course. Uh, it's it's described by Monsignor Patrick Chauvet. Uh, the 800-year-old church has been left so fragile that there's a 50% chance it cannot be saved. Oh, that's what are they I'm glad do? I've seen it. I'm glad I've seen it. Lucky. I'm glad I've been in it. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. The actual restoration probably won't even begin this year because of conservation work aimed at just tightening up the structure. Right. So the rest of it doesn't collapse. Well, yeah, because it was so weak. Today it's not out of danger, he said, before Christmas Eve midnight mass at a nearby church. It will be out of danger when we take out the remaining scaffolding. So it's being held up right now, in other Mm -hmm. words. Uh, The massive cathedral was dark and empty on Christmas. Services were held a mile away at saint germain auxerre a church with its own renowned history dating back to the 7th century. Uh, on April 15, uh, millions of people around the world watched in stunned horror. Uh, we all did in here. Uh, that was back in April? Yeah. Glued to TVs as flames and smoke wow. spewed from the Gothic marvel. The fire burned for hours virtually unabated despite the efforts of many firefighters. Within days, more than a billion was pledged by thousands of donors. It will be needed. Tens of thousands of scaffolding tubes had lined the church when the fire broke out. Some were damaged, and workers have been gingerly extricating the damaged scaffolding while trying not to let the rest of it fall down on top of them. Wow. Uh, Progress has been slowed by environmental concerns. In August, Paris authorities shut down streets around the cathedral to decontaminate them after high levels of lead were discovered. All right. The cathedral did hold a modest service in June in its Chapel of the Virgin, marking 850 years since the consecration of the cathedral's altar. Wow. Wow. Chauvet said he believes that if the structure survives, it could be safe again for tourists in 2024. But he said the experts say the full renovation would take much, much longer than that. So good luck to him. I hope it survives. That's too bad. I just... What would they try to do? Uh, recreate it or modernize it? <coughs> oh no, no, not modernize it. No, restore it. But it's, I mean, uh, how do you how do you restore that with the? Well, if you can stabilize the, the the essentials, if you can stabilize the walls, then I would imagine you can begin to reconstruct the originality. But you we, can none restore of it. Would it. Be but, you know, no, but, but you would restore it in the period of its. Of its construction in 850 years ago. Like they do You'd with the cars. You'd make it look like it was. Yeah. Okay. Well, it wouldn't be original. It would just be uh, recreated. Well, I'm not going to turn it into one of these TV preacher churches. <laughs> ah, hell, come on now. 
Jeez. <laughs> Can't put your hands up and send that money that don't make no noise. Remember the controversy that broke out, though, too, because of the donations? Mm-hmm. That was just laughable. Mm-hmm. People are allowed to do whatever they want with their own money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've often said people have lost relationship with nature. Uh, I don't know where this would fall. I don't know under what rubric this would fall. A North Carolina couple was left red in the faces this week after law enforcement responded to a home intrusion call, (laughs) a 911 call. Oh, no. Thomas Millam and his wife were asleep in their Forsyth County home when they woke up just after midnight to loud noises coming from the downstairs. Oh, my. So they immediately called 911. They thought someone was breaking into their home. Millam and his wife hid in the closet and called (laughs) 911. But once officers from the Forsyth County Sheriff's Department investigated, they discovered the home intruder was nothing more than a stuck robotic vacuum <laughs> banging on the wall. <laughs> they asked me how long I had it, and I Santa? said, about, yeah. <laughs> they, they asked me how long I had it, and I said about two days, and they all just started laughing because they knew it was just one of those things. But they were all great. They had great attitudes about it, Millam said. He added that he and his wife were embarrassed, but it's better to be safe than sorry. No, you chicken. You didn't even go. Don't take a peek. You got in the closet. Kerm got stuck. Kerm. <laughs> Kerm. I still would have called the police, he said, because you just never know. Never know. Yeah, you just never know. Jeez, please. Where's my pile of stuff here that I wanted to share with you? The world's largest Christmas tree. Oh. It's been the world's largest Christmas tree for years. 750-meter Christmas tree spread over the slope of Mount Ingino was lit up for the first time in 1981. Every year since then, on the 7th of December, the eve of the Immaculate Conception, the over 700 giant lights that make up the tree are turned on, and they remain active throughout the holiday season until the day of the Epiphany on 6 January. Created in honor of the local patron saint, Ubaldo, the Christmas tree of Mount Ingino was recognized by the Guinness Book of Records as the world's largest Christmas tree in 1991. Since then, no one has even come close to challenging its record. What they do is, using lights, they create a Christmas tree that takes up the whole mountain in their medieval village behind them. Oh, isn't that neat? That's really cool. That is really neat. Wow. Making sure that the world's largest Christmas tree is ready for its yearly spectacle is no small feat, but luckily... A group of local volunteers called the Alberioli make sure the cables and thousands of lights are in working order. This year they had to check a total of more than 8.5 kilometers of cables, 3,000 lights, and uh, the bright star at the top of the tree alone contains 1,350 lights. They use my guys from Holiday Lights Made Easy. (laughs) Did we we, uh, play the Holiday Light Rivalry yesterday on Christmas Day? We did not. We did not not have a Christmas podcast. We're saving that for probably in the Maybe next tomorrow? couple of days. We could do it yeah. tomorrow. You know, it's always a popular one. I think so. Because we're not going to be here tomorrow. Uh, so there you are. The biggest Christmas tree in the world is in a little village. In you know what that is? Nifty. Umbria. Nifty. It is nifty. nifty. It is nifty. Nifty. We'll be back. Okay. The Canopy Group is an insurance agency that is unique by offering 16 carefully selected companies for home and auto insurance. Since these are the holidays, would you be satisfied with only one dessert and it was fruitcake? That would be like having one agent representing one company for your insurance. Meanwhile, your neighbor creates a dessert exchange with his 20 family members. 
They make divinity, peanut brittle, fudge, cutouts, and gingerbread. You know, all the good stuff. At the Canopy Group, it is all about options. That's why our insurance agency offers 16 companies and... We also have 20 licensed insurance agents working behind the scenes to ensure you always have the best coverage at the best price. Remember, our clients' average saving is over $600 annually. This holiday season, don't get stuck with just the fruitcake. Get options. Call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com today. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. You'll recall we had the email the other day from a fellow uh, talking about his daughter who is convinced that climate change is real. She's going mm-hmm. on to become a, a neuroscientist or a neurologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul writes, regarding the daughter who graduated in physics and is now on her way to Madison to be a doctor in neurology, a true scientist knows that a theory cannot be proven. It can only be disproven. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess who sent us uh, Christmas uh, wishes and blessings? Who? Slugrass. Really? Oh, yes, the, group the family Slugrass. band. Yeah, yeah very, very nice. Famous. Cool. Very nice. Merry Christmas from the Slugrass band. Here is a little video where we, where we hunt for some of that Christmas spirit. May God bless you all. Happy trails, Soren and Slugrass. State and, Fair? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. had them on the State Fair. And they sent some uh, videos, 12-minute videos. Nice. Them. Great hats, too, by the way. Yeah. I still have mine. I still I wear mine all too. the time. And the T-shirts yep. also. And uh, not, thank not you to Mike, uh, to Mike Gobatz, who sent me wonderful, wonderful photos of boathouses, most principally on Lake Vermilion Damn. in northern Minnesota. They were lovely. Word. Uh, oh, this one we'll have to think about. Hail the Flashlight King. Hail you! I admit ignorance of the collegiate colors of the University of Garage Logic, the Fighting Stogies. Although for all the years your show was on the air, I never really thought about it much. I did create a school on my PlayStation 2's NCAA football <laughs> video game, the University of GL with the color scheme of the team as brown with white and red and yellow to simulate a cigar brand sleeve. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. That, that, I think he solved it for us. So the players look like a bunch of human cigars. My PS2 is in pieces as I write this, so I can't, really can't show you what the team looks like, but I have them on a memory card. The reason why I ask is because I wanted to add a line of U of GL bottle mitts for my ETSY account I'm creating. A bottle mitt is Etsy. what? Etsy. Huh? Etsy account. Yeah. What's that mean? Etsy. It's um, it's showy like a Pinterest type. You, of. you go online and you can order stuff. Make well, stuff. he sell, he makes he makes bottle mittens. Yeah, we call them koozies, but he does them in the team colors of various teams. So if you're a Green sure. Bay guy, you could get the spinach sure. and, and right. gold. You want to buy some soap? You could get some microbial. So <laughs> a bottle mitt is very descriptive of what it is. It is a knitted mitten in which a fat bottle, coffee to go, pint glass, and a tall can can fit into it. Your hand doesn't touch the bottle. It has a grip pattern on it, solid or team colors. Originally, I made them from a pattern, but I've modified it enough to come in two types, the outdoor and the indoor bottle mitts. You could ignore their names and use them interchangeably, except the indoor one doesn't have a five-inch sleeve attached to it. Confused? Here are some pictures of the NFC North teams in the indoor version. And I looked at the pictures. They're they're the accurate colors of the teams. So if he wants to go ahead and create a University of GL bottle mitt, I don't see why we could object. I don't see a big licensing problem. No, No. You are reminding me of something, though. 
Uh, and I got to ask Fratelloni if they sell these. Yesterday at Christmas, uh, we're all celebrating. It's my at my parents' house with my siblings and their kids and yada yada. And I looked at my brother and I said, "Why are you drinking Pepsi? Because he's not a, he does not drink soda at all." Right. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what they make now? Huh? They make Raps? Pepsi. Wrap covers for your beer. Oh, that's an old trick. Oh, really? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I had never seen Seven this before. Ip. Oh, yeah. Seven Ip was one that you used to no, have. No, but it's a it's a real Pepsi. Pepsi makes them. It's yeah. it's not a fake one at all. No, huh. I, I don't think that's new though. Really? I had never seen it no. before. Are you Johnny? I don't think so. No. Oh. Driving I've seen, around. I've seen beer ones. But oh, it's having another Pepsi and glug glug. <laughs> you know an officer. Yeah. But it's it, it's the same thing as a can koozie. Right. But you would you you take it from the top and you s- stick the beer can underneath. Okay. Okay. Reeves has found a new friend. I think. <laughs> oh, I was amazed. I thought this is fantastic. It's Same. amazing what they're doing, isn't it? We, we, you got you. You. Have, I got one more news story. I think I should get I'm in. Yeah, I, think I want you to. You're gonna want to hear this one. I right. ask Fratelloni anyway if they sell them. Mm-hmm. Police forces in the United Kingdom have squandered over a million pounds on electric cars that can't chase criminals or perform emergency vehicles (laughs) because they're too slow and take too long to charge. Oh, my God. A Freedom of Information request found that police in the U.K. have spent 1.49 million pounds, that's almost $2 million, on 448 green cars and vans. However, the actual cost of the eco-police fleet is likely higher as a lot of districts haven't reported their purchases. The official police reports admit the battery-powered cars are incapable of fulfilling police duties like chasing criminals or handling emergency response situations and run out of power before a shift ends. Is this windmilling? Absolutely. This happened in California, remember? The cops had to stop their chase because they ran out of juice. The uh, vehicles, you, you <laughs> yeah. know what they're using them for now? Huh. They're used almost exclusively in non-emergency situations or to drive the police chief to work. Oh, for pizza. Gosh. Uh, they, uh, the Metropolitan Police Service had bought dozens of electric cars. However, the force admitted in an internal report the market has not yet sufficiently matured. Let's go get them, Larry. Hang <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I told you, one of the greatest uh, one of the greatest Top Gear episodes ever when the boys were yeah. reviewing an electric car, and they'd show them driving it, and then... And then you'd have that elevator music, and they were in a library or an art museum. <laughs> then the camera would cut pan to the car plugged in outside. Yep. Then they'd get in, drive a little more, and then they would, then they would be in a bar drinking and oh. eating. Oh, uh, Scotland Yard, yeah, they're the big shots, of course. They're, they're big police uh, in Great Britain. They plan to have an entire green fleet yeah. by the year 2050. I got your green fleet right here. <laughs> No let, me tell you, let me tell you something else on behalf of the Alfa Romeo Stelvio. Yeah. Stelvio, available at Schmelz Countryside. I can go to Chicago without a stop for gas, drive around the weekend for Chicago, and not have to put gas in it again until I'm ready to come back here. Wow. Really? Nice. And it's got a little meter on the dashboard that tells you, you know, on the freeway it seems, the faster you go, the yep. better the mileage. I know that sounds improbable. But all of a sudden, I look down, and it says you're getting 38 miles to the gallon. I'm going 75. So you're not buying into 55 as optimum speed for fuel efficiency? But I, my, my point being, to get back to electric cars, is there's not an electric car made that could get me to Chicago Yep. that I'm aware of. When you buy an electric car, uh, you, you were talking about the Top Gear episode, do you know where the next uh, fill-up station is or the charging station is? Well, that's a good point. I'm, I'm sure that people... I would suspect that most people, and I see a lot of Teslas around town, 
I suspect that most people are not counting on that to drive to Chicago. Yeah, day. just in town. They're probably using it around town, and their virtue signaling is all I can think of. This is on my commute, my mm-hmm. green commute. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want one. They don't interest me. I'm interested in gadgetry and automobiles, but you got to get me some range. Yeah, you ain't got no range. I gotta have That's a thousand. I want a thousand mile range. No, so that you got a number. I got That's a number. That's your number. Now I got a number. We've and established. Make them look nice because well, Teslas aren't ugly. Yeah, they're not. But they're not. But they're they're, they're kind of somewhat plain, pedestrian. Yeah, plain, they're not right? as beautiful as Alfred Romeo. Like you got no. yourself a topic for your. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're we're trying, Joe. <laughs> we'll see you again Monday, GLers. Oh, let's uh, let's do the yeah. You'll hear the uh, Christmas light rivalry, uh, Krabby Lou. That's another one. The uh, see the, the guy that didn't want anybody to see his lights. Yes, he didn't want anybody to see the lights <laughs> and tried to. Hi, he was mad that buses were coming yeah. by to showcase the uh, <laughs> the wonderful stuff they had. Go to garagelogic.com if you are haven't been quite caught up on all of your podcasts. You can also order your New Year's gear for 2020. Your Garage Logic stuff. We got some really good stuff, and since the uh, the pressure of receiving it by the 24th or 25th of Christmas is off, just poke around and casually order at your convenience. It's all found at GarageLogic.com. <laughs> <laughs>